Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, uh, everybody. This is Dr. Simon. And um, the show is The Stories We Live By. And today I want to talk about the story of maturity and what maturity might be. Uh, And and my starting point, um, as a number of shows have been now, is by an article in the New York Times op-ed of uh, June 6th um, by David Brooks. Again, uh, I'm not sure I I particularly agree with the slant of his politics, but Brooks has a, uh, occasionally uh, a very insightful mind and writes uh, psychological and social stuff that sits above the normal partisan talking head squabbles that so much fill up uh, um, what is editorial uh, today. Um, and, and this particular article is entitled The Art of Growing Up. And I thought it would be an interesting thing to present parts of the article and then to discuss uh, maturity uh, from my point of view uh, and add some insights. And if there are any callers, anybody who would like to uh, uh, call in, why, that would be wonderful, too. And uh, he starts his article uh, with a discussion about Abraham Lincoln, uh, in which Lincoln, in 1841, uh, was thinking about suicide. He was in a very desperate psychological state. Uh, he was worried that he had syphilis or feared he would contract it. He was taking mercury pills. At that time, I suppose that was seen as a medicine, and that psychologically couldn't do him any good because uh, physically it couldn't do him any good. And he constantly had nightmares, and he worried about what kind of a human being he was. And the the, the idea that uh, he was dealing with, says as Brooks, the story he was dealing with is that we were born in sin, <clears throat> that we're all born in sin, that we are weak, and that our passions rule us, and that maturity, which is a judgment word, <clears throat> I'll discuss that more in a second, maturity means coming to grips with your weaknesses and overcoming them or controlling them. Now, the problem, of course, with this definition is that it's loaded with judgments. What do we mean by a weakness? Um, is a weakness the fact that I can't live, lift 400 pounds? Um, I could say that's a weakness. Is a weakness that I have uh, doubts about myself as a human being? I'm not sure that's weakness, uh, unless, of course, I believe that I have these particular terrible doubts about myself and I internalize them, and think of myself as a defective human being. Now, for those of you who have been following my show, you know that's a constant theme. Uh, And I do believe that in the time of Lincoln, when the Protestant ethic was at its strongest, a lot of people thought of themselves as weak because they were human. That as individuals, uh, they had sexual desires, they had fears, 
There were things they couldn't do, things they couldn't overcome, uh, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of killing other people, even relatives and close people, all of which were perceived as morally wrong, um, even though they weren't acted upon, and as such uh, led to an idea of being a defective character. Now, it's interesting that in, in this, I'm sure, I think that Lincoln probably believed in God, and, and one of the added dimensions of this is to believe that you're defective internally because of your human desires and that uh, your, your uh, human desires are perceived by God or by other people, particularly by God, and are being judged uh, as morally insufficient and that, therefore, your character is damaged. And the article goes on to discuss how uh, he overcame some of these desires. He became a solid middle-class individual. Uh, he wrote, he writes, Brooke, that he became, he built structures around his inner nature. He joined the traditional bourgeois marriage. He called his wife mother and lived in genteel middle-class home. And he engaged in feverish bouts of self-improvement, studying Euclid and grammar at all hours. He distrusted passionate politics. In the Lyceum speech that he delivered as a young man, he attacked emotionalism in politics and talked about the need for law, order, and cool reason. And so, therefore, maturity to, uh, for Lincoln would be that as long as you can remain rational and cool uh, and in middle-class life, you are mature. And if it works for you, it works for you. Brooks goes on to say that the concept of maturity changed dramatically in the 20th century because progressive educators emphasized students' inner goodness and curiosity, not their inner depravity. And here again, we have a very interesting idea. When I was younger, I would have accepted this notion. Uh, as a Freudian, there are no such thing as depraved needs or depraved ideas. Uh, on the other hand, that I have sexual and aggressive desires doesn't mean that if I accept them, I don't recognize that I have to control and express them in ways that are not damaging to me or other people. But it does mean I accept them as part of my being human. And to me, this puts me in a very different place, and I can't help but be in a different place that anybody who would say that we're born in sin because of our desires and the only way to overcome this sense of sin is to uh, dominate our desires, to strangle them, to pretend they're not there. Uh, Freud really did change in that way the view of maturity. However, what did happen in the 20th century was that children were told Anything you think or feel is good. You're perfect as you are. And what this led to was a similar denial of needs or desires or, or what we might call weaknesses that had to be met, understood. I think that what happened to many people, and still does happen to people, uh, he mentions people like Bush, and he men mentions people like, uh, um, who else does he talk about here? Um, modern candidates, Clinton uh, with his narcissism and Bush's intellectual insecurity that were never faced. <laughs> that if you believe that these things <coughs> are sins, 
You can either think of yourself as damaged goods or start to think of yourself as perfect. And those of you who have been following my show know that either way, you're in deep trouble as far as I'm concerned, psychologically. And whatever definition of maturity you use, I think you have a problem reaching it. If you really think yourself up defective because of being human, just being human, I think you're in real trouble. If, on the other hand, you think you're perfect and that there's nothing wrong with you because you have ignored your, your, your narcissism, you've ignored uh, the things you're afraid you can't do, and you compensate or overcompensate by going in another direction, then you become rigid and you become invisible to yourself. You can't come to grips with yourself. And what's so interesting is that many of the people who in our culture today don't believe that they're sinful and don't believe that there's anything they could think or feel that makes them sinful also think of themselves as perfect. And while there is, uh, uh, they're not suffering from the idea that they're demonically uh, possessed, that they're somehow monsters inside, they kind of become monsters in my definition simply because they don't recognize that anyone else exists. They are perfect. They are good. Everything they do is good. Lincoln struggled to reach a high standard to overcome, an intellectual standard to overcome his, his feeling that he was a damaged human being. And so many of the students and young people I've worked with in recent years, and some of the politicians that you watch, and by the way, let me make this big point, uh, so important. Uh, Brooks is talking about Lincoln and Bush and Clinton, presidents of the United States. I really don't think it makes a difference if you talk about presidents or you talk about me, you, or Joe Blow. The fact is we're all more human than any, and otherwise, and that the fact that somebody is a public figure uh, we have to stop thinking of themselves, think, thinking of them as somehow in a special class, in a separate class of human beings uh, that are somehow above us, and that they are mature or that they are uh, more uh, are worthy simply because they're visible public figures. This is certainly true with all of the celebrities uh, who start to think that, uh, to quote the phrase, their shit doesn't stink because. Um, they are on television, or they have made a lot of money, or both. People are people, and that I think we're all struggling with much the same problems and much the same desires, and those involve trying to find a balance in which we stop thinking of ourselves as sinful or evil and stop thinking of ourselves as perfect for whatever the source of that idea happens to be, either because we're told we are perfect and we have no faults that we ever have to recognize, or that we consider that we're perfect because we can't bear to think about how sinful and imperfect and awful we are because uh, we have certain desires or we don't play tennis as well as somebody else or our grades aren't as good as somebody else. How hard anybody should struggle to overcome and be the best at something, uh, I think, is, again, personal taste. Uh, personally, I don't believe in the Vince Lombardi view of sports, uh, which dominates so many people's lives, 
in terms of sports or how much money you should have. Uh, Vince Lombardi said, winning isn't everything, it's just the only thing. Uh, I think that that's a problem. Again, when I say it's a problem, it's a problem for me. Um, there is always somebody who can spell better, read better, cook better, uh, be better in bed, uh, play better tennis. Uh, <laughs> by the way, if anybody uh, is listening to this, the U.S. Open, I have been watching it now uh, for a few days. I never were concerned about golf, and I have now taken up golf because my knees are kind of bad, and uh, tennis may not be on my agenda. Not that the golf, uh, I don't find the golf painful, but golf is a very, very hard sport for an old guy like me. And um, what's so interesting is that, again, I think I'm more mature as I approach this sport at this time in my life because I don't kill myself over the fact that I'm so terrible at golf. I'm taking a lot of lessons, and uh, I'm going to do my best, and that's all it's going to be. And as long as I can feel I improve and enjoy myself, play well enough to enjoy myself, that's good enough. Uh, to watch the, the pros play and the torture they go through about being the best, well, certainly I admire them about being the best. But to torture yourself over a loss in a game uh, is, to me, not the height of maturity. But anyway, I digressed. Um, if anybody knows how this ended, uh, Tiger Woods uh, uh, tied yesterday on Sunday, and this fellow who is really the 178th best player in the world is giving him this enormous run, and I went on the air as they were playing the 18th hole, and I have no idea who won. Um, I'd like to see Tiger win. On the other hand, this other fellow, uh, um, <laughs> whose name eludes me at the moment, he's not exactly a household name, really deserves to win. I'd love to see him finish his career uh, by beating Tiger Woods in overtime at the U.S. Open. But if anybody's there, let me know. Otherwise, I'll wait till the show is over, and then I'll find out. So there's the quandary. Uh, maturity is a definition, uh, is, de is defined in moral terms, but if you define it in psychological terms, you can come up with any definition you want. And for me, the definition of maturity is kind of easy. It's to recognize that at any given moment, none of, the best, none of us are perfect and none of us the best at anything. Uh, none of us are the worst. None of us are condemned. None of us are sinful. Being human is being human. And that if we don't do something well, I think it behooves us to try to do better, to find out who is the best so that we can set standards and understand what better might mean. Uh, certainly when I watch Tiger Woods or these pros play golf, it sets a standard. And if I wanted to beat myself up, I'd say throw away my clubs because I'm never going to be able to compete with guys like this. I'll never be that good. On the other hand, if I can be a one-tenth as good or one-twentieth as good or maybe one-fiftieth as good, uh, maybe that would be fun and that's okay too. Uh, I personally don't believe that anything anybody feels is wrong. I do feel uh, that acting on certain feelings, uh, rage, uh, sexual feelings, predatory feelings towards other human beings, that is wrong. And therefore, my view of maturity, uh, clearly like Lincoln and the, and, and, and the others discussed by Brooks, is a moral definition. To be mature, I think, is to be comfortable in your own skin 
with whatever your thoughts and your feelings are, but at the same time, uh, not inflict them on other human beings. Therefore, key part of my uh, definition of, of maturity, which he doesn't discuss, involves what do I, what am I obliged towards other people? Uh, what, what, what do I do? How do I live my life so I don't hurt other people? And that's a very complicated issue uh, because I live in a rather privileged world. Most of us in the United States, most of us in Western culture live in a privileged world. Uh, many of us are struggling with gas prices and inflation, but uh, it's, you know, uh, it's still the luxuries are being attacked, not the basic survival needs. Uh, do we have a right to live in a society that uses up so much of the resources of the world and leaves so many people in poverty? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Uh, on a more uh, immediate level, I know I don't have a right to hit somebody over the head with a hammer. I don't have a right to rape anybody. I don't have any right to inflict on anybody uh, uh, my words that would make them feel that they're damaged as human beings. Uh, I don't think any of us do. So that um, my definition of maturity strongly involves an idea that uh, others have equal rights to life as I do and that I have no more right to my life than anybody else. And whether or not I can act on that at all times, it certainly becomes my goal as a mature human being to live that way. So uh, the politicians I can, I, that he talks about, uh, boy, I wish we had a Lincoln around today, uh, an individual who did struggle to be rational, to be uh, uh, ultimately uh, what he doesn't talk about Brooks as an individual who saw the lives of other human beings as having value. Uh, he does discuss in his article how uh, he recognized uh, um, Lincoln, how ambitious he was, which means how important he saw himself to be as a human being. Uh, and all of these individuals who think that they have the ability and the right to tell others how to live uh, is something to me that is the height of immaturity and psychologically tremendously dangerous. Do we need leaders? Yes, we do need leaders. But I think we need leaders who recognize their own failings and will say to themselves uh, with a kind of humbleness, what will my decision mean for other people? And when you have an individual like a president right now uh, who can control the media, who can send people to war, who could lift missiles out of their silos and blow up the entire world, uh, such an individual, I think, should get up every morning and get on their knees and, and, and quake and shake with the power that they have and hope for the best, uh, seeking the best advice from others, even though ultimately taking the responsibility for their decisions for themselves, uh, and therefore really be concerned with the effect that their decisions make on other human beings. Uh, and, and recognizing that their decisions will affect so many human beings, I think they have to worry about all of those human beings, not just their friends, certainly not just those in their own political party, certainly not just those in their own socioeconomic class, 
certainly not those of their own race, religion, or color. Uh, all of these things become issues to me in an ideal of maturity, that we recognize that every human being is a human being, regardless of their race, their color, their sex, their gender, uh, how they live their lives. I don't care if somebody is the worst criminal in the world. What we do to them, we must do to them recognizing that this is a human being that does bad things. And I think we have the right to stop them from doing bad things, perhaps even to punish them from, and to prevent them from doing bad things. Uh, that is certainly our right in terms of self-defense. But to dehumanize them, to say that they're monsters who don't have a right to live uh, is to say to ourselves, we're monsters who do have a right to live, and we're as perfect as they are flawed. And I don't know how we overcome these, these ideas of, of substituting moral terms for psychological understanding and insight. Um, I've been trying to educate people that way, both as an individual psychotherapist, putting the word therapist in quotes, because I really wasn't doing therapy. It was a kind of a personal education I was doing. I certainly tried to teach psychology this way to my students, and it is the driving force behind my uh, desire to do this show. And, of course, the other driving force is I need to do this. I enjoy doing this. It's important to me. There are days that I feel, uh, since I've retired, that I, I'm losing my identity. Um, I once said to a student, I said this in an earlier show, I once said to a student, you are what you do. Uh, a class I said this to. I remember it was a psychology of personality class. And it had to be 25 years ago I said this. And a student wrote me an essay, if you are what you do, then I'm a television program and I have to worry about being canceled. Uh, and I have to take that to heart at this point in my own life, if you are what you do, then I'm not doing a hell of a lot. Uh, I have enjoyed golf. I enjoy what may be lost of my tennis life. I enjoy being with my wife. I just came back from New York, and I certainly enjoy being papa to my grandchildren and daddy to my own children. Uh, that becomes very critical to my identity. But today I was nothing but a television watcher, and uh, this show... Uh, becomes a very important thing to me personally, even though the message, the message uh, is something that is near and dear to my heart and that I hope is of help to those who listen. Well, I don't know what else to say. Um, uh, he ends his article, Brooks, by saying, uh, all this suggests a maxim for us voters don't only look to see which candidate has the most talent. Look for the one most emotionally gripped by his own failings. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that at all. I think he should be a person who understands what he thinks his failings are and that he struggles to overcome them and that if he thinks he has failings, he should look not necessarily in his feelings, his sexual or his aggressive feelings, who he hates, who he loves. But what are his failings as a human being morally to other human beings? Okay. I used to think in that way, of thinking about the individual, 
And I really do believe now, as I see things, is that we're completely embedded with one another. And that what we are as a human being isn't measured by what we feel inside, but by how we actually do live with others. Our, our, our goodness, our kindness, our compassion to other people, uh, and not just what we feel in this regard, but how we act upon it. As I say that, I certainly know I am a failed human being, although not as failed as some others, because when I die, I don't believe there will be too many who will curse my having lived and said, boy, did you damage me. Uh, there won't be too many who would say, ah, there goes a God. And uh, as I am delighted, I hope not to ever hear the first, I hope never hear the second. Um, that's an interesting show I could do sometime. On Maybe I'll do that next week. How do you see your parents? Um, because I do believe that maturity in your own life can be perceived about how you see and talk and relate to your parents. Do you see them as all-powerful? Do you see them as nothing? Or do you see them as human beings struggling in their own life against the difficulties that they have experienced there? Can you forgive them for the things they did to you uh, that uh, they didn't really mean to do? Because so much of what our parents and what I did as a ch parent to my children were done with the best of intentions. They're done in, out of ignorance. They're done out of your own struggles and the immaturity uh, at various points in your life where you can't see your child as a human being with their own aspirations, with their own needs but that you see them as a reflection of yourself with your failings or your successes. You know what? I think that's what my show will be next week. Uh, growing up with your own parents and some of the difficulties. What happens, my father died when I was very young, and that becomes kind of difficult to grow up and relate to your own parent if they're not there anymore. So uh, until next week, uh, this is Dr. Simon. If anybody would like to call in, anybody want to send me a message on the web chat, I would love to. Hello, Marion. How are you? Um, uh, I hope you weren't disappointed I wasn't here last week. I was, did come home. I could have done a show. But I had gotten up 4 o'clock in the morning to get to the airport and took a flight, and I took a nap, and that was the end of that. I was just so bushed that I didn't feel that I, I could do a show and, and be uh, coherent or logical. So, folks, for those who are listening and those who will listen, and I hope there will be many, many, and for those of you, good, I'm glad you're fine, and I think great show. And if you think it's a great show, Marion, give me a five-star rating. That really brings in listeners. It's amazing. If, you, if, if, there are no, if there's no rating, nobody seems to listen, or, or about a quarter of the people. But a rating seems to do a lot. So if you believe it was a great show, let everybody know, and I will talk to you all next week. Now I have to hang up and find out exactly what happened in the U.S. Open uh, and who won this uh, incredible uh, 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 struggle between these two great players. Take care and goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.